This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Right now, that time, 8.13, you're tuned to WGNS again on this Monday morning, today, the 28th of August. And in studio with us this morning, we have Dr. Dan Rudd. How are you this morning? Good morning, Scott. I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing good. And I think last time you were on, was it in the middle or towards the end, I guess, of the pandemic? Uh, It was three or four times there all through that period. Fortunately, it's been better. That was an interesting time period, I think. Very. I think we've learned a lot. In medical history, are there other dates over the years that would compare to what occurred during the COVID pandemic? Um, There are many, but not in my lifetime. And I think that in the times that have occurred in the past, uh, it's been tremendously different because of just technology, being able to be connected to people, understand things in real time. Nothing quite at this level. During that whole COVID pandemic that continued for, what, over two years, I guess, we did see a lot of a lot of deaths. And those are things that, I guess, happen during any pandemic. I mean, no matter where you are or what place in history you're at. And pandemics occur. You know, fortunately, they're rare. We have so many new um, scientific, technological ways to deal with things like this. But I think that the uh, COVID pandemic was something that really upped our game. That now, you know, internationally, I think, uh, and locally, public health services have increased ways to communicate and to test and to treat. So, you know, and you you look at COVID, it really came out of the blue. You know, it was a, a coronavirus, which is a cold virus, but it was mutated in a way that our immune system didn't recognize it. The uh, coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, it's got a spike protein on the outside of it that really is unique, and it causes a, a resistance to our immune system until we, or until our bodies learned it. Once you know it was encountered by the body, and we developed increasing immunity to it, and we got what we what we called initially. Um, community immunity, which basically means that there's a level in the population of recognition of the spike protein. And, and that's there. But I think the concern now is that we don't really know where it's going. And but I, th- I think the real word out there is, you know, just it's not anything to be afraid of. This is something that right now we're seeing the uh, summer surge, which is very typical. The surge that we have this year is less than the one we had last year. Uh, it's, it is an uptick, uptick in the hospitalizations. Uh, the deaths are, are still very flat. There, there will be deaths because we deal with a lot of people who are immunosuppressed, they're frail, and we age. That's part of, part of our life cycle, and people will continue to die. But hopefully the numbers now will never be what they were. You know, we were seeing, you know, 75 to 100 people dying in the larger areas every day. We had even periods in Tennessee where we would lose, you know, 50 to 70 people in a day. Uh, that's over now. I mean, we're not seeing that. And even the people who are being hospitalized currently are not as sick. There are a lot fewer ICU 
uh, admissions than there were. And I think one of the things that is some concern to the public health officials is the number of people being vaccinated now that are receiving the vaccine is almost zero. And so it's pretty flat. And not just in Tennessee, everywhere. Um, the current vaccine that's available is being replaced by a new one. Uh, it should be out probably in late September, somewhere in that time zone. Um, I think that uh, it's something that definitely is out there for people who are concerned, people who are at risk, people who have um, maybe a malignancy or an immune deficiency or they're over 60 to 65 in that range, that's where the increased risk is. And it should be used by those people who want it. Uh, it's one of those things that for younger people, it's very little value that's been proven so far. And I think that that's really the key of it. Again, Dr. Dan Rudd in studio with us this morning, and we're talking a little bit about COVID and how numbers are starting to go up slightly, but nothing like they did originally a few years back. Right. Well, even across the world right now, um, America is seeing this slight uptick in the curve, but many other countries are still very flat. You know, and one of the things that's really interesting is because of COVID, we have this technology now to monitor things internationally. And, you know, and we can see currently day to day how things are going. And, you know, and that's very helpful because the, the fact is it's very flat. And initially when the modeling was done for COVID, um, the political leaders were told that we could expect a mortality of three and a half to four percent. That was way off. It, the actual number when it was done was about 0.5%, which is a huge difference. And I think that, you know, the modeling wasn't done with malice. It was just done based on numbers they put in a program, and they were wrong. And so, you know, it's hard to predict until you have the definitive answers of what's going to happen. But it, it's clear now that we are seeing COVID. I've seen several patients with it. I've had nobody go in the hospital. Um, I haven't had a death from COVID in over a year. And even that was a very ill person. And so, you know, it's don't panic. It, it's all good. For those in the medical field during the first pandemic that hit, did the government put additional requirements on medical offices to file extra or additional reports with the health department or the CDC? Well, it was a reportable disease, COVID was. And, you know, it, it, was, it was always very interesting because they were trying to develop a way to vaccinate people in mass. And, you know, it, all these vaccination centers, I know a lot of people locally remember State Farm and, you know, the line of cars and, you know, everything that went on with that. Um, I don't think we'll ever, I don't think we'll see that again this year with COVID. Uh, I think that vaccines now will either be done through pharmacies or through the health department or through uh, physicians' offices. But for whatever reason, the uh, public health folks have decided 
and they're not doing many vac vaccinations through uh, physician offices anymore. Most of it's set up through um, pharmacies. I don't know how they'll do that this year. Uh, you know, I think that it's something that we'll wait and see. But, and you know, always it's really important to know what's really happening. Not, not from a news broadcast where they sensationalize. You know, because the goal of that is they want people to listen. And they're not going to listen if they say there's not much to hear. And I think that, you know, it's, it's something that's evolving. You know, I th we've got a lot of things that are coming down the pike as far as medications. Um, now we have uh, Paxlovid, which we use in people who are older, which we know it decreases hospitalizations. And when it decreases hospitalizations, it only makes sense that it's going to decrease deaths. Um, it's not for everybody. Uh, you know, it's a combination of two antivirals that, that do work. Um, but another one we have is mol molnupiravir, which is not as effective as Paxlovid. I think that um, we've got the remdesivir, which is intravenous, that's expensive. Uh, we don't use that a lot. We did have some very effective monoclonal antibodies, but those are gone because basically uh, the community immunity that's developed has decreased the need for them. And I'm sure that if this new variant that is on the rise uh, emerges to be a, a threat, monoclonals will return and they'll be directed at the variants. So, you know, that's always a, a that was really a good treatment. I like the monoclonal therapies, and but right now they're not available because we don't have any need for them with the current variants that are present in the community. Um, then uh, another thing that has developed as a consequence of this is actually an, a monoclonal antibody against an inflammatory component that works really well for severe pneumonia uh, called ARDS, which is adult respiratory syndrome. And that is a, um, an ICU type of problem that comes from COVID. Also, other infections can cause that, too. Um, you know, the, uh, the medications that were touted sort of as being uh, conspiracy or heresy were like the hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, um, and even uh, one of the SSRIs, the one of the antidepressants. And I think the studies for those really have not been clear and haven't shown real good benefits. But um, definitely we know that after all of this, the ivermectin is certainly a safe medicine. I mean, it's probably one of the safest medicines that is dispensed. It's been uh, given billions of times. But as far as the effectiveness for COVID, it's, it really can't say that. It's, it's, there's not a lot of evidence for it. Now, throughout the pandemic, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we saw a lot of uh, or we heard a lot of news stories about how scientists would discover something new while they were researching COVID. And they also found cures to other things throughout the whole COVID pandemic. What what are some of those, I guess, science discoveries that did occur throughout this entire learning process? Well, one of the things that I think was really amazing was the uh, the how rapidly the gene sequence of the virus could be determined 
you know, what what initially in the beginning of this COVID experience, um, it would cost about $100,000 to sequence a virus. Now it's about $10. That, I mean, that's you know, huge. And it's because of the improvement in technology. I mean, it, it's, it's been incredible to see what's come out of this. Um, you know, the ability to take that newly determined sequence and then make an antibody to it has also rapidly changed. Now, the ability to do that is a thousand times cheaper and faster. And, you know, it's, it's incredibly uh, beneficial. So, you know, we've, we've learned a lot. And we've learned a lot about antiviral drugs. You know, we, the real antiviral drug revolution started with HIV. Um, HIV initially in the 80s, um, it killed everyone who got it. Every, everyone died. And, you know, and, and it's hard to think about that now because, you know, it's, it, it's so different. But the antiviral drugs that were developed because of HIV, many, many, many of them were just put on the shelf because w- we didn't really have a use for them. And so now they're going back to see, you know, which ones help with different things. And I think that we've, we've really learned a lot about things we've already developed that we didn't use, didn't need. And, and we're seeing how to even make better ones. Um, so I think that's a very optimistic thing. Another thing that's, that's helped a lot is we've learned about other alternative treatments because we've needed to. One of the most interesting is vitamin D. Vitamin D is, is not really truly a vitamin. It's really a steroid hormone. It's made from a base of cholesterol, and it has multiple effects. You know, when I was in medical school, it, we were taught that it was necessary for bone growth and cal- calcium homeostasis. But now it's clear it has a definite Im- immune modulation effect. It is something that uh, is deficient in a lot of people who live in northern climates. It's something that can be measured, and we were told even in medical school, that you could get toxic levels of vitamin D easily. Well, in reality, that's not true. And, you know, in, in, in researching this, looking, uh, I kind of watch it closely because it's interesting, but I've only found one case of vitamin D toxicity that's been reported in the last year. And that was in a person who was on incredible megadoses. And so... You know, one of the things that I believe people should do as part of their health exam is get their vitamin D level checked. And it really ought to stay in the, you know, over 50 range, 50 to 100 in that range. You know, 60 or 70 is probably kind of my sweet spot. But that's an important thing. And, you know, it's not the only thing you that you should do, but it's one of the things to do that is healthy. It's like watching your cholesterol, your blood pressure, your vitamin D level. And so, you know, I, I like that. The other things that we've learned a lot about are um, the effect of light, sunlight. You know, we know that near-infrared light, which is on the upper end of the spectrum, you know, you've got the visible light kind of in the middle, and that's about 40% of what sunlight is, is visible light. But 
if you go up a little bit higher in frequency and you get into the the infrared range which is in the 600 to 1000 nanometer range um, it's been shown to have very good health benefits and I think that that's something that we're learning more you know uh, we've we had seen that a lot of the Scandinavians that did um, heat saunas and cold plunges had higher interferon levels and we know that interferon is a component of it's of the what's called the innate um, immune system, which is part of our body that we make, and it is very important in mucosal uh, immunity, and that's what SARS-CoV-2 affects. It comes in through the mucosa, and I think that you know there's a lot of research looking at that. In the early 1900s, lots of hospitals had solariums, where they would put patients in the daytime uh, to receive sunlight and to warm them up. And, you know, we've got a lot better treatments, but that was, that's been abandoned because of kind of what's called the allopathic nature of medicine now where we treat everything with medicine. But there are natural things that do help. Another thing that I think we've seen is the benefit of nasal lavage. Viruses that get into the respiratory system attached to the mucosa, the lining. And by doing daily nasal lavage, we wash those things out. And the time period that the virus has to be attached is not really defined because it, 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 there are a lot of variables, uh, variables such as the dose, the, the number of viruses you get. Uh, things like that can affect it. But nasal lavage is a way to clean the upper nasal tract, and that's where they attach. So I think that's a, a thing we've learned. Now, going back to the vitamins, it, it, at least I heard a lot of reports of doctors saying, you know, you need to increase your dosage of daily vitamins during this whole pandemic. And you brought up vitamin D. Um, what, what does vitamin D impact as far as your overall well-being? Well, the, the number one thing that it does probably in respect to this is that it helps it's a, a modulator of the immune system vitamin d is used by the immune system to function and so people who are vitamin d deficient have less of an aggressive immune system it might we don't you know when you, you have to be careful saying too many things that are definitive because in in medicine and science we're constantly learning more Vitamin D is also important in helping to uh, identify cancer cells in the body and to target those. We currently believe that everyone develops cancer cells, but we stop them. You know, 99% of the time, our immune system targets them and identifies the abnormal proteins on the cell and kills it. And, the, and vitamin D is important in that, that process. You know, vitamin D is probably also important in the way that our cardiovascular system does. Looks like it's important in in developing atherosclerosis. Um, it it seems to be important in mental function, and a, a lot of these things are um, to be determined. And and to say definitively all it does is hard because so much in our body is we have redundant systems. We have things that, that make up for one thing if one thing's gone. And, you know, things like 
um, the effect of uh, exercise. You know, exercise is, it doesn't mean going to the gym. It means moving. And I think that, you know, one of the best exercises for most people is just walking and trying to get some steps in every day. Um, it's great if you want to go run or, if, or go to the gym, but moving is important. It's helpful in so many ways. Um, you know, I think that another thing that's important is rest. You know, we need sleep. Sleep is a restorative thing, not only for your brain, but for your whole body, your immune system. And getting enough sleep is important. Um, you know, ventilation. We know that, you know, in places where ventilation is hampered, if there are viral particles that are in the air, we're more likely to get them. And I think we've learned that as far as in the way we build buildings and, and do schools and offices, that ventilation is something that that we need to address. We didn't think about that years ago. It wasn't an issue. Um, and I think that when it comes to masks, there's a lot of controversy. We know that masks impede learning in school for kids. They do not learn as well when everyone is masked. Um, we also know that it's reasonable that a mask will decrease the spread of a virus. But I think that we're learning also that there's some things that outweigh others. And learning for children is incredibly important. And the risk to children is incredibly low. And I think that we've learned that lesson. It's been painful because it's cost at least two or three grades for these kids where they're basically behind yeah. and may never catch up. Um, and, and we can't go back to that. I, I believe we cannot go back to that. It's just a disservice to our children. Again, Dr. Dan Rudd in studio with us this morning. Now, during the COVID pandemic, the initial COVID pandemic, we saw depression rates go up. We, we saw problems with the mental health of, you know, just about every age group, it seems like. What, what or did anything, any new medicine come about in mental health as a result of the pandemic? And, and what worked? best for folks well i don't believe that we really developed any new medicines we just learned a lot about what isolation does um we learned that it increases drug abuse it increases drug deaths it increases depression it increases suicidality we have uh, the highest suicide rate right now for the for 2022 we don't have 2023's numbers obviously but 2022 has the highest suicide rate we've we've recorded um it's you know the effects mentally on what this COVID has done not only to mention the impact it had on businesses and driving people into bankruptcy and uh all the the psychological effects of that um, it's just it's incredible what it's done and i think that so much of this going into it was I mean, it was unrecognized. You know, governments, I think, truly were trying to uh, help people, trying to save lives. The repercussions for their actions were not really considered because we had not experienced that before. But I hope that they have learned something because there is a huge cost financially 
uh, and health-wise in other respects. And, you know, initially they were saying that the, like I said, the, the modeling was um, COVID would kill 3.4% of people. In actuality, it was less than 0.5%. And, I, you know, it's just, it, it is that way. And when diseases happen, we want to do all we can. But the key to it is to develop ways to treat problems. Uh, we cannot stop society. And I don't want to get uh, political on it, but it's just, uh, you know, we've learned. And, and hopefully we'll take those lessons forward. Again, Dr. Dan Rudd in studio with us this morning. We are going to take a short break, and then we will be right back to talk a little bit more about COVID and what folks need to do or think about as, uh, you know, the second round of COVID, I guess, comes around. Is, what, what, are, what are exactly are they calling it, the, the resurgence of COVID? Well, the name for the variant is called ERIS, E-R-I-S, and it's a constant monitoring of variants that are present in the country and the world. But one of the things that's important, Scott, is that when you get COVID, when you get a virus, inside of you, as it replicates, it makes thousands of variants. So inside of each person, thousands of variants emerge. And the ones that sustain themselves are deemed fit. The ones that don't and die out are viewed as unfit. And so basically fit just means the strength to transmit and the, the strength to cause illness. And so ERIS, even though right now it is only about 10% of the, of the variants we test for, it's increased. But this is a constantly moving target. We're going to take a short break and then we will be right back. Time right now, 8.40, and you're listening to WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders like our pastas and many other items that we used to be able to put them in large pans. And now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up. Look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Major phone carriers make you sign contracts with rigid data plans to trap you into a kind of forced phonogamy. Sounds pretty insecure if you ask me. At Consumer Cellular, we believe in a more consensual and healthy form of phonogamy, free of contracts and more flexible to your data needs. This way, you stick around not because we force you to with contracts and fees, but because you love our phone plans. Like ardently love our phone plans. Phonogamously. Consumer Cellular. When Freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Be more cyber zen. Get NordVPN. With a few simple clicks, NordVPN will block online trackers, secure your devices from malware-infected downloads, and block access to malicious websites. With NordVPN, enjoy internet without trackers, without malicious websites, without malware-ridden files. Be more cyber zen. Take advantage of our special offer now at nordvpn.com. See a few scattered showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon. A cloudy sky is a high in the mid-80s. Winds out of the northeast around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 72. We're talking with Pat Wingo at Adams Place. 
my son's research, I think, nine places, and it kept coming back here. So your son said, Mom, this is it. Oh, hands down, I'd say Adam's Place. It's five-star rated in Tennessee, and they live up to that rating. I'm thankful to be here. Hi, this is Terry Deal at Adam's Place. Call me for more information about Adam's Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.42, Dr. Dan Rudd in studio with us this morning, talking more about covid and new numbers. Is the government going to keep track of COVID the same way they did in the past and release numbers every day, every week? What are they going to do in this new round of it? Well, it's hard to tell. I think that, you know, one of the things that happened is after uh, 2022, uh, a lot of areas quit doing daily releases because the numbers were so low. And then they went to weekly and some even monthly. Uh, But as they hype up this new vax and they make the case for why they think everybody needs it, which, according to what I'm reading, uh, the president's getting ready to mandate it, Uh, even though it's not released yet and we haven't seen any effects of it yet. We have no data, nothing that uh, I suspect that you'll see in the uh, mainstream media, they'll be beating the drums for how bad it is and how much we need the vaccine and probably they'll look for every case in every nook and cranny they can to put it out front so when this is going on and you have the government saying we're going to mandate this vaccine what is happening in the local medical field are are leaders of health departments calling local doctors what what's happening kind of behind the scenes not much um you know, doctors, honestly, they care about their patients. They want to do what, what is best. And we have to depend on government and public health to give us recommendations because in, in the little shell that, that we live in and practice medicine in, we cannot see the big picture. It's hard to. And you've got to have outside sources to help you. And so many uh, providers, physicians, nurse practitioners, uh, hospitals, you know, they're trying to do what they have to do, but they have these large groups like Medicare or insurance companies that decide this is a mandate. And so they may say that to be a certified hospital, you have to do blank, blank, blank. And they do it. And that's, that's the way it is. And, you know, even if looking back on it, six months, a year, two years, they go, well, that probably really didn't help anything. It doesn't matter. That's where reimbursement is tied. And when reimbursement is tied to something, our licensure for physicians, if, you know, it's it's like what happened with, um, in early COVID with ivermectin. There were people whose licenses were threatened just for saying COVID could be used. And we use drugs off-label all the time. And it definitely was a very safe drug, is a very safe drug. And so, you know, we have to respond to the, to the world. And the world that controls the money controls what we do. So what other medications were used that were off-label throughout the COVID pandemic? 
the well, the biggest ones were ivermectin uh, and hydroxychloroquine, and then there were others. There was an SSRI, a, um, a medicine that was used for depression, that was also used, and um, there were vitamins that were used, and um, a variety of, of different things. A lot of times, uh, antibiotic uh, azithromycin was used in combination with ivermectin. Uh, there is a, uh, a physician in um, Houston, Texas, who her license and hospital affiliation were uh, canceled because she treated thousands of people with um, ivermectin and azithromycin. And according to her own statements, um, they did very well. But it, it really, you, you kind of have to stay with the mainstream dogma if you're going to, you know, basically work with them. And because that's where reimbursements come, I think a lot of people, are, you know, are stuck in that. Now, when folks were being treated with the uh, the SSRI, I've heard stories where, you know, for some people, taking an antidepressant can actually increase suicide or, or the, the thoughts of suicide, uh, especially when you get off that antidepressant. Were there anything, anything, any reports of that tied to the SSRI? Well, for a long time, we've known that severely depressed people frequently have um, decreased motivation and drive and initially when they start an antidepressant and they if their their drive and motivation increase faster than their depression they actually get the motivation to kill themselves and so that's not totally new that's something that has been described for you know decades and i think you have to be careful with that i think depression uh is is so multifactorial that um, there's genetics involved in it, there's uh, situations that are involved in it, there's family that's involved in it, there's personal health that's involved in it, and we don't have the resources, mental health-wise, to really offer people what they need, and we need more of that. And I think that that has been minimized because it's easy to ignore mental health issues in society when you compare it to things like heart surgery and cancer and these clear medical things that have huge price tags. Depression is more of a, um, it can be treated in ways like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is low cost. It just needs a, it needs a a therapist. It doesn't need an $8,000 drug. It, you know, it, it needs local people. To, to treat people and we just don't have enough now going back to new covid issues and the government uh, possibly coming out with a mandate that everybody has to get the vaccine um is there any word on when this mandate would go into effect for example the cdc have they mentioned anything about that no no it, the only thing was the president uh, a statement from the president last week and, uh, you know, it, who knows what that means. And so, but I do know that the, uh, the daily vaccinations now are about at zero across the country. N- nobody's getting vaccinated now. And that's 
the drug companies are very worried about their uh, investment in the new round of vaccines and whether they will be able to continue their profit. And in order to do that, they're basically telling the feds, you're going to have to back this if we're going to do it. And so I suspect that we will see it backed strongly by the feds. When the government starts mandating a vaccine, does that do more harm than good for the general public? Because it seems like that alone causes a lot of fear. I think that the previous history we have is why we have the fear. Because we, I, I don't believe we were told the truth. I believe that it was a fear-induced sort of push. Uh, and it may be because they actually believed it was in our best interest. We were not able to understand it, that it, they were and we aren't. Uh, but I think that attitude toward the public has harmed their credibility. And in going into this new stage, they're going to have to do a lot more proof to convince people. There's going to have to be some some clear evidence, not just see a picture of somebody in an ICU that was actually just used in 2021 and they show it again today uh which everything you know in the news now is it's it's hard to believe yeah again dr dan rudd in studio with us we only have about three and a half minutes left so as we close this morning what would you say to those who are listening what what would you tell your patients when it comes to what they should worry about and what they shouldn't worry about with covid well i think the the first thing is you know, we need to realize there's nothing to be panicked about. That the things to do are, if you're at risk, do all the things you can to decrease your risk. And that's going to be to, to get your flu shot. And now we have a new RSV shot, which is respiratory syncytial virus, which is a cause of considerable hospitalizations in older people and in yo very young and I think having that now available for older people is, is good. And that getting the RSV vaccine is a, is a positive thing. I think when the new um, COVID vaccine comes out, look at it objectively. And, you know, and that may be something that is worth doing. Um, it's not going to be for everybody. The vast majority of people who are healthy, you know, I would hold off and wait and see what happens. Uh, other than to rush in and just get another vaccine. Uh, we do know that the mRNA vaccines have some side effects that the pharmaceutical companies have, um, have not admitted. And, you know, some that have come out, and, and honestly, we don't know the extent of that. I don't know if it's a very rare thing or if it's a less rare thing. But if you're at high risk of having COVID and being hospitalized, then... When we get the new vaccine, I think that would be appropriate to look at it. Again, Dr. Dan Rudd in studio with us this morning. And uh, I, I guess bottom line, just do the basic things that you should be doing, like washing your hands and covering your mouth when you cough. Yeah, I think that, you know, doing things like vitamin D, checking that, taking a supplement for that, uh, getting some steps in, exercise, getting good sleep, um, nasal lavage, really cheap, easy. Do that every day. Uh, sunlight. I think the near-infrared sunlight, being outside, you know, uh, it, it's even 15 minutes a day. That's a great uh, way to get that. And then, you know, take basic care of yourself. 
Sounds good. Again, this morning been talking about COVID. Dr. Dan Rudd has been our guest. And coming up next, we have Rutherford County Commissioner Craig Harris on the air. So make sure you stay with us. And Dan, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Scott. Good to be here again. And everybody out there, stay healthy. Time right now, 8.54. You're tuned to WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender, the Commissioner Corner, featuring Rutherford County Commissioner Craig Harris. And now with today's commentary, here's Commissioner Harris. When I ran for office five years ago, I ran on the fact that I wasn't a politician. However, when you become elected, you are a politician. And what comes with that is people put you in a box. A lot of people don't trust politicians. So I ask myself, why do people think politicians are bad people? You see, throughout history, politicians have often been subjected to scrutiny and criticism, with many people perceiving them as bad individuals. The perception stems from various factors, including corruption, scandals, broken promises, partisan politics, and a lack of transparency. However, it is essential to recognize this broad generalization oversimplifies the complex nature of politics and fails to acknowledge the numerous politicians who generally works better for society. I'm going to try to explore the reasons behind this prevalent belief that politicians are inherently bad people, while also recognizing the limitations of such a viewpoint. One of the primary reasons why people perceive politicians as bad individuals is the prevalence of corruption and scandals within the political sphere. High-profile cases of bribery, embezzlement, and abuse of power have eroded public trust and reinforced the notion that politicians are self-serving opportunists. These instances often sensationalized by the media create a lasting negative impression that overshadows the positive work carried out by many politicians. Another reason that politicians are considered bad is broken promises. You see, politicians are frequently held accountable for failing to deliver on their promises, leading to disillusionment and skepticism among the public. The constant cycle of election campaigns filled with lofty pledges followed by limited inflammation fuels the perception that politicians lack integrity and merely seeking power. This cycle erodes public trust, leaving many feeling betrayed and further cementing the negative perception of politicians. There is also partisan politics that is one of the complaints. You see, the rise of partisan politics and deepening polarization has contributed significantly to the negative perception of politicians. In a climate where political parties are often more concerned with gaining power than addressing the needs of the people, politicians are perceived and prioritize their party's interests over those of the nation. The perceived lack of compromise and an unwillingness to collaborate across party lines reinforces the belief that politicians are more interested in maintaining power than serving the public. There is always the problem with lack of transparency. Within political systems fosters suspicion and distrust among the public. People are often feel disconnected from decision-making processes as politicians appear to operate behind closed doors, making deals and decisions that impact their lives without their input. The lack of transparency leads to a perception that politicians are operating in their self-interest rather than serving the public good. 
Now, while it is undeniable that there are politicians who engage in unethical behavior and put personal gain over public welfare, it is crucial to avoid painting all politicians with the same brush or putting us in a box. The negative perception of politicians as inherently bad people arises from a combination of corruption, scandals, broken promise, partisan politics, and a lack of transparency. However, it is essential to recognize the complexities of politics and acknowledge the countless politicians who dedicate their lives to public service and strive to create positive change. By engaging in open dialogue, promoting transparency, and encouraging accountability, we can foster a more nuanced understanding of politics and work towards rebuilding trust between politicians and the public. Let me reiterate, transparency and accountability are never a bad thing for local government. I am honored and proud to be a county commissioner for Rutherford County. And though I strive to take care of everything, I cannot please everyone. But it's not fair to be put in a box and be labeled as bad politician because you know bad politicians. I think that we should strive to be better politicians. And we have some good ones in Rutherford County. You see, I am honored to be a Rutherford County commissioner. And I try to do the things that help in the betterment of our society. However, I can't please everyone. But it's not fair to be put into a box. I make mistakes, but I will always strive to be a better commissioner. This is Craig Harris, and this is the Commissioner's Corner. The views of Commissioner Harris are just that, his views. They're not necessarily the views of the station, nor are they the views of WGNS advertisers or news partners. If you would like to share your opinion or ideas with Commissioner Harris, email him at ccotinc at comcast.net. That's ccotinc at comcast.net. Weight loss has always been a struggle for me, but thanks to Magnolia Medical Center, I'm finally on the right track. A talented team of experienced medical professionals work together to achieve success for their patients. Magnolia Medical Center can help you live a healthier life. The semaglutide injection has helped me to lose 60 pounds, and I've actually kept it off. Begin your weight loss journey at Magnolia Medical Center. Thank you, Magnolia Medical Center. Online at magnoliamedicalcenters.com. 